Welcome to Welcome to Primetime, a show covering the Freddy Krueger-hosted anthology series Freddy's Nightmares, one episode at a time. Every episode is brought to you by... Oh, I'm Brennan, by the way. See, you know, episode two, still not got the hang of it. Every episode is brought to you by donations from listeners like you. Please help us keep going by donating to The Okra Project, an organization that is working to feed black trans people in need. You can donate through the link in the show notes, take a screenshot of your receipt, black out any personal information, if there is any, and send it to W2P pod at gmail.com which you can also find in the show notes you can also dm it to me on social media we currently have enough donations to get us through the first season of friday's nightmares but if you like the show and want it to continue that is up to you also if you donated to donated to my original fundraiser to get the show off the ground and now want to donate to the okra project your do- your donation will count for a second episode uh this week's patron is l cobb um who you know huge fan uh she is distantly no you know what i'm just not gonna i'm not gonna blow up her historical uh lineage spot i'll let her do that herself on her twitter if she really wants to anyway our guest today is a once more joe farron of the fright school podcast and the podcast art time of the month thank you so much for returning joe how are you doing i'm good how are you doing brennan you know <laughs> you, we, you know i i do and i i see you and i i feel like that is that the thing like our generation's doing is like i see you <laughs> yeah like it would be creepy in any other context but it feels so nice exactly it's like that's that's where we've become it's like i see you i see mm-hmm. you and i'm like good it's nice to be seen <laughs> Yeah, and for the historical record, we are recording this on the day that California has decided to retreat back into its turtle shell, (laughs) Um, (laughs) at least partially, where they're like, oh, fuck, okay, I see. Um, I think my friend on Facebook, he he put it best, he's like, well, it looks like California's on punishment. (laughs) (laughs) God, anyway, that's not what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about season one, episode two of Freddy's Nightmares, titled It's a Miserable Life. Uh, original air date was October 16th, 1988. Here's what you could have watched in theaters instead of this. Um, you could have seen Jodie Foster in The Accused. You could have watched the supernatural drama The Kiss. Some uh, Stan Winston mayhem with Pumpkinhead. Or uh, Night of the Demons. with uh, uh, That's the movie where Linnea Quigley inserts an entire tube of lipstick into her nipple. I highly recommend it. Oh my gosh! I I I need to I need to go on uh, Shout Factory and find some of this stuff. <laughs> oh, you absolutely should. Except also also current uh, dating the podcast news. Their website is down as fuck because they just announced their uh, Friday the Thirteenth box set that they're releasing. So five hundred two errors wall to wall. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure they're. I'm sure they're already sold out too. I'm sure. Like I'm sure someone's keeping them. Uh, keeping someone from it oh yeah and i'm sure i am because i did order one against all of my better judgment um i'm a little worried because confirmation email's not there but i they they charged my credit card so i'm sure it's coming right (laughs) um anyway uh the writer of this episode the co-writer is michael deluca who also co-wrote the pilot and paul rosselli this is literally his only credit this one episode um and the director is tom mclaughlin who directed friday the 13th part 6 jason lives he's also a mime and just a generally interesting person you should check out his biography i i think that's what i think just knowing that explains a lot about this episode but Look, we'll get into I, that. <laughs> frankly, I need a lot of explaining about this episode, so whatever I can get. 
Um, the cast, it, it's a pretty solid two-hander on this one. Um, the main female interest is Lar Park Lincoln from Friday the 13th Part 7, The New Blood, and the movie with the best title ever, title ever created, House 2, The Second Story. <laughs> mm, that they... Hire, like, who, who? what's that person doing who named that film? Hire them again. God, I hope they are, you know, being fanned with palm leaves right now, <laughs> eating grapes. Yes. Although, you know, not being fed directly by a human, because this is not the time, but they have a bowl of grapes somewhere. Yes, they're feeding themselves. And they just have, like, some sort of oscillating device that has the palm leaf on it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like this really elaborate, like, honey, I shrunk the kids, Rube Goldberg, you know, type... Yeah. <laughs> type of like grape dispensing machine and what if it was rick moranis who decided the title for that movie <laughs> you know what I, I i would forgive him for having not having a career and taking care of his kids over the last couple decades so how you know. dare he i know how that is dare not he? the gay agenda that hollywood signed up for exactly <laughs> exactly oh my god i love this i love coming on here <laughs> <laughs> i love having you <laughs> Um, but here, uh, speaking of the gay agenda, the most important thing about this episode is that it stars an extremely 23-year-old John Cameron Mitchell, uh, creator, director, and star of Hedwig and the Angry Inch, and some other movies that I like a little less than Hedwig and the Angry Inch. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, John Cameron Mitchell. It, 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 it was a whole journey. I mean, we'll, we'll get to it. We'll get to it, because there's a lot we have to say. And we shall. Okay, so here comes our plot and commentary exterior night beefy boy burgers they will have fun with this name <laughs> um okay so we meet a, a young teenage gentleman named brian he's working the midnight shift um he is so extravagantly bored that he has kind of made these characters out of the <laughs> just whatever materials he has around him very uh castaway-esque where he's like squirting mustard into a face on like a styrofoam box and kind of acting out like sacrificing burgers to a vengeful god which is which is beautiful because like it's it's exactly what you said it's like it's man on an island it's castaway you're that bored um it's midnight also on apparently and apparently it's like a midnight on a friday night sounds like friday night saturday night something like that yeah because otherwise i don't i i I, it's not legal to be giving him this shift but it definitely wouldn't be if it was a school night that's true and i mean you got to figure that it is his uh you know it is his family business right so it's all under the table yeah it's all under the table Mm. uh (laughs) yes so (laughs) sorry like yeah okay so basically the the popular kids roll up in their drop top and they kind of stare at him doing this nonsense and i was so ready for them to be like you know cobra kai like bullying him mercilessly and like you know throwing a milkshake at him and driving away Mm -hmm. but no they invite him to come hang out and he says no and they're like okay fine kind of disappointed and they drive off and i was like that is not the dynamic i was anticipating here but good for good for john cameron mitchell yeah, good for and good for the writers being like, you know what? There's so many, there's so much like teen on teen like angsty violence out there. Let's have it like, oh hey, he's a cool kid. I mean, I, I yeah. think that's a little. I mean, I, I mean, I think it would be really great if he to have like in your cool kid circle the kid whose dad owns like the burger joint, the oh, burger joint in town, right? Yeah, and look, kids. It's cool to have a job. Yes. <laughs> yes. This podcast, yeah, I'm not speaking for Brennan, but this podcast supports jobs. <laughs> I, I mean, yes. 
<laughs> capitalism is up and down, but jobs yeah. themselves are exactly. nice. Exactly. Jobs, they're great. Capitalism. You love to have them. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, okay. So, Freddy pops out of the deep fryer in a pretty cool special effect and says something dumb about like it being the graveyard shift when he gets hungry or whatever and then he wanders off <laughs> um and brian's dad comes in to say yes um you know family business yada yada you're never gonna leave this town also i'm leaving this restaurant and you have to be here until dawn <laughs> uh, which like okay you gotta figure that i mean i don't know how it was in the 80s but you know every time that i've been through a drive-thru of an all-night drive-thru there was at least two people there <laughs> so yeah someone has to make the food and someone has to take the orders exactly someone has like you can't have money around when it's only one person like that's just bad that's just bad cash handling i don't know if the directors took that into account but i'm sure they did this is just bad cash handling all around yeah no it it is you know patient zero came out of beefy boy burgers (laughs) like this is not the proper disinfecting policies um but anyway so john cameron mitchell has some great acting moments in this episode but this is not one of them um (laughs) he talks about like that was very generous (laughs) thank you uh he talks about wanting to leave this little town he's like i'm tired of green things i want concrete I was like, wow, she really loves, she's about the concrete jungle. I know, because um, no one no, spe- no one wants to, like, dreams of going to the city to look at the concrete. That's just not part of it. <laughs> no, no, absolutely not. And and it, it's just like, he is really, John Cameron Mitchell is just, like, such a queer icon that, like, it was simultaneously, like, disheartening and amusing to watch him play this, like, very like straight character and i think like I, I think like the inherent queerness of like i need to leave this town you know i gotta get out of this town is just so exactly what i said is inherently queer and so like i still read him as gay even though he's like serving you like the best like mask twink he can yeah look, he is <laughs> musking it up as much as he can trying trying very hard and and i'm like you know what get that paycheck john get that paycheck yeah and and so yeah brian cannot wait to get home to open all the college letters he apparently is just sitting on and has not opened yet (laughs) um but yes so he hears motorcycle revving over the intercom and he peeks out the window and sees this weird kind of you know dusky leather dude on a Mm -hmm. motorcycle and you know all right like late night drive-through liaisons but of course he comes up with a gun and says the immortal line give me everything you've got with everything on it as people say (laughs) you know if i was going to uh, rob a burger joint at gunpoint that's exactly what i would say i mean look you have the kind of sense of camp and irony that i would want in a mugger but I, this man does, is he's not delivering exactly you i mean especially if you're gonna have like you know very like gay camp drag of like the leather dude like you know it's very tama finland very village people with the with the motorcycle like you, you gotta have a good one-liner but as you can tell this is this is a complete this is completely heterosexual territory because there's no (laughs) that's the best that they could do yeah you know look everyone here is just doing their best you know they got twelve dollars they're here for a day (laughs) they got the location it's fine um but yes so the this uh leather dude points a gun at john cameron mitchell shoots it and we follow the bullet like very matrix style towards john cameron mitchell's face 
Um, and then it kind of becomes this perpetual motion machine of random dream gags. And it is, spoiler alert, incredibly apparent that John Cameron Mitchell is dead the whole time. Because mm-hmm. um, I th- uh, we were talking earlier, and I know that might have shocked you a tiny bit, so I'm not trying to like throw you under the bus. Um, no, go for it. I, I can see it coming. What's going on? <laughs> no, no, no. I just like I'm. I'm not trying to insult your um, Freddy watching, you know, prowess. Um, but I think I have a little more experience with the kind of anthology format of television shows, and they only bank in two twists. One of them is that he was dead the whole time, and the other one is that he has a split personality. And I was like, I don't think that's this one. <laughs> yeah, and and I'm I'm glad that you brought that up because I had. Um, no idea that that was like a thing. I mean, again, like I, I think I've, I think I've said this before. Like they did it on Are You Afraid of the Dark? So you know, maybe, <laughs> maybe many times actually on Are You Afraid of the Dark? So I, I'm sure that, um, but that's my only experience of it. So um, it, yeah, it does make sense, and especially because it's all a dream. <laughs> you know? Oh well, because. I assume that that kind of thing is going to be happening a lot in this show where it does turn out to be all a dream and then it's not and whatever we get it. Um, it's Freddy. Yes. It's very Freddy, <laughs> but this one is pretty transparent. Um, but it keeps playing us with this annoying, like he wakes up and then something spooky happens and it's a dream within a dream, within a dream, within a dream. And it's just, it's, it is tiresome, Joe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, I think you need, like, the team from Inception to just go into this and just be like, ah, oh, how many layers? How how many layers can we do it? How, many, how, how far can we go? Well, I think maybe they did because each succeeding dream does feel twice as long as the other dream. <laughs> yes. <laughs> which, which uh, dear listener, is a thing in Inception. So go watch it. Or not. I mean, you don't have to. Um, it's Inception. Who hasn't seen Inception, whether or not they wanted to? <laughs> Um, I see, I just like, I, th- I think that's one of the reasons why I was like hanging on there, you know, a little bit. I'm like, okay, is this going to be a dream? Um, is this a reality? What's going on? Is and this I the real think life? It, is it just fantasy? Exactly. Is this real life is fantasy. And I think I get a little bit more, um, I, I had more questions with like the next, with the subsequent like stuff in the dream sequence. Okay, yeah, I mean, fair. Um, So basically, it's hard to really kind of break down a plot synopsis of what goes on in the back half of his storyline because it's just this infinitely stretching beach of, you know, nightmare gags. And I think if they were connected around, like, a firmer skeleton of character and story, they might be more interesting. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, there is like the parts that are most, um, kind of digging into the metaphor of him being like incapable of leaving town and his parents kind of holding him back against that. Like those I find really interesting, but it, it just, they're really diluted by this kind of endless onslaught of nonsense. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think you hit the nail on the head with that one. Um, what were some of your favorite gags in the dream sequence? Oh, uh, okay. The one that I loved the most because it was actually subtle until they felt the need to point it out and kind of put a hat on it. Um, but there's like this beefy boy jingle that I do not remember, but it's something like, I'm a beefy boy or whatever. 
Um, yes, mine too. And, and I mean, I love the irony of it because, like, you know, John Cameron Mitchell is famously neither beefy nor barely a boy. <laughs> so, so it's just like, um, is he though? Like, <laughs> yeah, and yeah, and his dad's like, you're gonna be the face of this corporation. It's like, um, I, I don't know what face you're looking at. Um, <laughs> yes, very much. But so he's he's trying to he's like curled up with this uh, old corded phone and he's trying to dial anyone to like get him out of there and the dial tone keeps playing the like beefy boy jingle as he's pressing the keys and I was like that's actually kind of subtle and nice. Um, was there a gag that kind of spoke to you at all? Oh, you mean the Marty McFly and his mom moment? <laughs> oh yes, please t- tell me all about this, Joe. So he has like this moment where like mom he comes in the kitchen and mom's there and mom's like this like really kind of strange like june cleavery type figure and then all of a sudden it, it like cut to them like making out which like i can only imagine in the late 80s this was probably very shocking <laughs> and i mean a- a- very shocking for like television so you know yeah that like that was just something that was just really unsettling and i'm like okay what are we doing here like is this just gonna be some kind of weird um dream like literal like dream in a coma sequence you know before we really figure out that he's actually dead um and then also uh everything with the parents like the dad trying to kill himself with the lighter in the the head in the oven oh yeah well that's that could have been creepy because he keeps flicking the lighters over and over and over again and nothing's happening and you're kind of on tenterhooks like if he's gonna actually like explode yeah and it's just like you know flick 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 and it would had it read to me like haunted house gag right like oh totally very james wan yeah and you just like you look into it you 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 look into that kitchen as he's like walking into it and all i could think about was like okay i am now in buena park this is not scary farm this is some strange thing and it's just like flicking the whole time plus when the door open or he opens the fridge and he sees the mom there just kind of like in the fetal position (laughs) That, um, that was also a pretty cool gag. It's just they're wasted in this slurry. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, like, and, and unlike a real slurry, like, it nothing, like, it nothing thickens. <laughs> it just gets more and more diluted. <laughs> it really does. Uh, and concluding with the, you know, cut to credits, we're back in Freddy's liminal space, and he has a little burger patty on one hand, and he picks it up with a claw and says, have it my way. And I was like, Freddy, honey, th- this is nothing. <laughs> I'm sure there was uh, I'm sure there was some really like interesting cross promotion with Burger King at the time. You know that they cut to like the Whopper right after. Look, I, maybe that's what we're missing is the full context of like having commercial breaks in this, and maybe that would have given us more of a gap to digest the you know infinite gags that we are we are just having shoved down our throats. <laughs> yeah, I. I mean, like it's like it, you you can't have this character of Freddy Krueger, you know, with the one-liners as like eye-rolly dad jokey as they are, without like really capitalizing on that literally with like selling you something. So well, of course, because this show is not but a capitalization on the you know Freddy mythos because mm-hmm. it does not exist to further you know his legend in any way or like provide any sort of context into him um it is just a cash in just like his uh 900 number where you could call freddy and you know like hear a recording of him going 
<laughs> I, I don't know. I never never called it. I was not I, alive. I mean, you had the good sense not to. I mean, you can use right. that. You can use that like, you know, $5 a minute on something else. The, you're so right. Um, okay. So here's where things take a turn, not for the interesting, but the, the structurally curious. <laughs> um, we have not really mentioned Lara Park Lincoln yet, but she's uh, John Cameron Mitchell's girlfriend. She also gets shot. You know, because it turns out that he's dead, and she also got shot in this, like, drive-by situation, but she didn't die. So she's taken to the hospital, and the second half of the episode is entirely her story, which is also a perpetual motion machine of dream gags, but is Lark Park Lincoln this time. Um, it really reminded me of, I don't know if you saw that BBC show, Cucumber and Banana. Did you see that? You know what? I... <laughs> You know what? Oddly enough, I saw the clips on Pornhub, but I did not watch the series altogether. Look, um, is, the way they... it was meant to be seen. <laughs> exactly. I'm just like, you know, this is the way that I think this is the way that um, our Lord has intended for, you know, the <laughs> for us to see this show. But is that something that they did on the show? Like they had it like because I know it was two shows and that's always kind of confused me about how they were presented together. Yes, yeah, so so here's how that worked. Um, it was this queer BBC series. Um, Cucumber was an hour-long kind of drama um, that had this regular ensemble of characters. Um, but Banana was a half-hour show that succeeded that show after every airing and kind of spun off a story of one of the side characters from the episode you had just seen. So if they, you know, if uh, the main, like, twinkie dude from cucumber hooks up with a guy like in banana you will see what that guy's life is like and spend it spend half an hour with him uh i see okay i mean that uh, that's a pretty that's a pretty cool format it is a daring format and i really like the format but i did not like that show um much to the disappointment of the people who were reading the recaps that i wrote for the back lot and they were like why do you watch this if you don't even like it and i'm like i'm getting paid they asked me to <laughs> I'm getting paid. They asked me to gay like, <laughs> yeah, sure. On. Like I'll do Bring it. it up. Um, but anyway, so Lar Park Lincoln's in the hospital and we kind of abruptly just kind of switch gears to her. Like there's no announcement that this is happening. And that I think is the most interesting thing about the episode. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so she's in the hospital. There's a bunch of new dream gags. It's kind of like the last episode where the guy gets uh, sedated to be, operated upon at the dentist mm-hmm. and he all of a sudden sees the uh hygienist in her bra and panties except sorry what no yeah I, I, that and that whole thing was just like i mean again like we said it was classic like 80s very very much um the 80s gag and though that only continues uh in this episode <laughs> Oh, yeah, because now she's getting sedated for surgery. And when she's getting sedated, she hears the doctors talk about having to amputate her legs and her arm. And then the doctors and nurses start making out with each other. And there's like a pretty terrible lobotomy scene that has no special effects whatsoever. Yeah. <laughs> you, you you think that they probably like used all their special effects on that, um, on the fryer gag because, or, or, or crafty yeah, yeah. in the liminal space, like... Look, they they use that budget on getting Freddy Krueger to say the absurd shit that he says throughout this episode. 
I mean, again, you know, the Robert Robert England, you know, again, we we've established that he's worked for three for three days exactly in this entire series. Yeah, and for so, all forty four episodes. Exactly. So one of those days, you know, you gotta pay, gotta get it paid for with uh, got you gotta dip in somewhere, and it's gotta yeah. be the the effects budget. Yeah, no lobotomy for you. Um, so there's exactly two good things about this half of the episode and they come in quick succession the first is a pretty spooky like hallway scene where she's looking outside her hospital room and there's this kind of doctor carrying a gurney into this kind of like windy misty shadowy image which is kind of cool um and then there is the nurse who Mm. i love um how do we how do we first meet the nurse joe do you remember um how do we meet her she she's like making out (laughs) with herself um the way that like if i was a bratty teenage if i was like the bratty little brother of uh, a heroine in a teen comedy i'd be like making out with myself that you know my sister was gonna go on that date with the captain of the football team it's like Uh, ooh la la teen witch is going out tonight (laughs) exactly and then you have like um the gloves i think i also focus on that a lot i'm like oh maybe it is another person because the gloves are yellow and then she turns around and like folds her hands i'm like oh no why did we need that (laughs) it's so odd it is it is the strangest thing and i was like oh my gosh like i i'm like staring at my phone watching this and i'm just thinking like what what (laughs) (laughs) no but i really love this nurse because at first i was like you know she's just you know doing the typical freddy's nightmares 80s tv overacting because there's a part where lar park lincoln says like oh where's the doctor like i'm she's trying to get out of this hospital and the nurse is like oh i'm not the doctor i'm just the nurse it's gonna be bedpans for life and it's it's very grand damn whatever happened to baby jane it it is exactly she needs to be like descending a staircase as she like makes this pronouncement at her (laughs) oh yeah but it's like as the episode progressed i kind of got on her wavelength like there's an episode or i mean there's a scene where the gag is that the she the doctor and the nurse are sewing larpark lincoln's mouth shut um and it's the it's this kind of like cutesy almost flirtatious almost like a parent teaching a child situation where the doctor's like and here's how you do the sewing and the nurse is like oh oh we're so bad can we can i can i try and i I thought that performance was really good for what she was trying to evoke yes in this in this like whole second act i think she's like one of the shining lights of the entire thing (laughs) and it was and and to be completely honest and no offense to laura but like the nurse was one of the reasons that like i was able to kind of stay in it but it it wasn't my it wasn't the best and we'll talk about that in a little bit oh yes we will um i think the other kind of through line of this episode where i can kind of see what they were going for was kind of the like hospital gaslighting situation where the doctors keep telling her it's gonna be fine you're gonna be fine while doing these horrible things to her and not letting her leave the hospital um to the point that like the doctor keeps pushing her down like back against the bed to be like you need rest it's fine but the more she tries to get up eventually he just clamps his hand on her mouth and shoves her against the pillow and it's really this kind of brutal intense weird scene yeah and it's like did that did that need to go there (laughs) yeah i don't know this is fully what i imagine uh steven soderbergh's unsane was like i never saw that 
yeah i i also like i don't i have a really hard time with horror that takes place in like where like they where you know that you're okay but everyone's telling you not like i have really i have a lot of trouble with like the gaslighting medical gaslighting and yeah so that's the other reason why i was kind of taken out of this more of a like let me protect myself from my fear (laughs) okay just a a general distaste of like okay this is not this is not gonna work for me exactly this is not it's not happening what's going on help her someone help her Okay, I mean, see, for me, I just related to it because it's going to be fine is what I've been telling everyone who's going to come on the show as a guest. <laughs> and, 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 and to be honest, it will be fine, everybody. It, it's going to be fine. Yeah, this will not be the worst thing that happens in 2020. <laughs> no, no, I, we can guarantee that. Whew. Anyway, so like this episode ends in some sort of inscrutable way where she's taken to a limb bank and they're going to donate her limbs and her like dead parents show up, but we don't even know they're dead until a minute before they show up. So it's nothing. Um, and then Freddy Krueger, we're back in his, uh, his pad and he says, remember, we make house calls, which is even less than nothing. And then he wanders off to craft services, break for lunch, film eight more episodes. <laughs> <laughs> and scene like it, it was very much like and scene um but but it just he wanders off in a shot that lasts about 15 seconds i feel we just get to see him slowly just kind of decide where he's gonna mosey on off to i'm telling you it it would be so much better if he was able to skip away like this like you know very fanciful leprechaun um, which like to me I've always kind of like that's in my mind how I picture Freddy Krueger is this like very kind of like you know the Riddler Joel Schumacher's Riddler like I said in the last mm-hmm. episode um, and that's what I want that's what I really want to see one day um, I don't think I have to go far but no like and there are ver- like that kind of version of Freddy Krueger you can see again um, last episode I did not officially recommend that you watch but did bring up that you were talking about freddy's origin story and that is present in freddy's dead the final nightmare mm-hmm. sorry there's fireworks in my neighborhood it's uh, you know it, it it's 2020 <laughs> yeah and look we're, we're in a year that had a fourth of july so the neighborhood's like yeah fireworks forever well it's gonna be like i think i saw something online where it's like it's gonna be one of those memes like in 2040 where it's like you know if you were uh, if your childhood didn't consist of these things you're not cool and it's gonna be like masks hand sanitizer fireworks at midnight (laughs) god um okay so yeah whatever what on earth was oh uh yes so i think that kind of like impish leaping freddy krueger that you want is also present in freddy's dead the final nightmare which is the sixth movie again i don't wholeheartedly recommend it as a movie i think it has its strengths but it's extremely silly but i think that's kind of what you're aiming for and you want this show to be and it's just not because he was not paid freddy's freddy's dead amount of money here no (laughs) that he was not um anyway so it's time for our final thoughts was this episode a dream was it a nightmare or did it put you to sleep brennan Yes. This was a nightmare. Yes, not even on Elm Street. <laughs> nightmare at Beefy Boy. This this was a nightmare on Beefy Boy. This was a nightmare everywhere. Um, like it was, it, and here's why, right? So it didn't put me to sleep because I was I was awake the entire time because I wanted to see where we were gonna go. Like where where <laughs> are we going with this? Surprise! It's nowhere. Exactly. It's like we are, you know, we are literally on the road to nowhere. Um, 
and and that is a jaunty tune uh by the talking heads that freddie can skip to um oh see sorry um (laughs) my extra nerdy west craven brain um I was not thinking of the talking heads talking head song. Um, David Hess from the Last House on the Left for that film wrote a song where the lyric is "The road leads to nowhere." Oh, um, so see, like, oh, this we're, is, we're working around. This is why I need I need the education. This is why I go to fright school, um, <laughs> so I can know these things. Um, but yes, this was a nightmare. Um, this was a nightmare because it was a nightmare that started off as a dream. Started off as a dream with my with our John Cameron Mitchell, but it eventually got to this like nightmare realm of just I mean, my literal nightmare of you know, being in oh, like yeah. a medical gaslighting horror. Um but yeah, like I really wanted to love it and did I appreciate kind of these reaches that I think are, you know, kind of unique for the time? Yes, but it was it at the end of it it just kind of left you wanting more and I, I mean it's like what's worse? Is it worse to like have a dream that you don't wake up knowing that you dreamt but don't remember anything, or is it worse to wake up from a terrible dream, right? So Oh yeah. No, I totally get it. Um, yeah, no, it, it's curious. Cause I think for me more than rating something a nightmare, I think the worst r- possible rating you could give is like put you to sleep because that means it offers absolutely nothing and is engaging you in no way, even if it's a, not a bad way. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, this was a pretty brutal episode. It is like a nightmare in that you're staring down the barrel of that 45 minute runtime and it just keeps on stretching backwards like a hallway. You just can't get to the end of, <laughs> and I don't know. I, I really hope not every episode of the show is such a haphazard collection of fright gags because I know that the cast of a lot of the episodes coming up will not be as interesting to me to watch as mm-hmm. Lar Park Lincoln and John Cameron Mitchell. And I don't know if I can handle this without them. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And I did look up, um, I did look up the show on, uh, Wikipedia and I saw that like there is they're like at the top of the list of the people who are in it <laughs> and then that's uh-huh. pretty much it and then all the rest of the names I don't recognize but again like they could be people who are famous for other things that I just don't know um, No, and there, there's definitely there's a couple people scattered here and there like I know coming down the pike we have a very young Brad Pitt mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and Mariska Hargitay is going to show up in two episodes uh, I mean two episodes from now yes Oh man, Mariska Hargitay. <laughs> but we'll save that for for that episode. Um, I'm gonna let you know what the kind of logline of the next episode is. But first, uh, here's how you can donate uh, to earn an episode of this show. Uh, we're brought to you by donations from you. Uh, please help us keep going by donating to the Okra Project. Donate through the link in the show notes. Take a screenshot of that receipt. Send it to w2ptpod at gmail.com, which is also in the show notes, or DM it to me on social media. You can find me on Twitter at It's Raining Brands and on Instagram at The Burning Clem. And Joe, where can we find you? Do you want to tell us a little bit about your two podcasts? Yeah, so um, Fright School is... Uh, this show where I, as a horror novice, uh, engage in uh, lovely, witty banter with my co-host, who is a horror expert, and you can find us um, everywhere. We are on Facebook and uh, everywhere for the podcast to download: Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, and then we are also on our social media on Facebook and Instagram at at Fright School. Follow us for memes. 
Um, and then my <laughs> other show is Art Time of the Month, which is a monthly arts recap. Um, and that one's on Instagram at Art Time of the Month. And then you can find me on Instagram at Jay Farron. As you should. Joe is, as you can tell from the past two episodes, a luminous voice in the world. And you need more of him. Stop. Stop <laughs> it. Stop Never. it some more. <laughs> um, yes. So our artwork was created by Henry Hall. If you'd like to support trans artists, and you should, you can send him a commission at henryhall.design. Uh, our theme song is Living in a Dream by Pseudo Echo. You, uh, and yeah. So here's what we're in for uh, next week. On Tuesday's episode, we're going to be covering season one, episode three, Killer Instinct. A high school track star, haunted by the recent death of her Olympic medalist mother, is given her mother's magic crystal amulet, which brings to life her secret ambitions and extracts vengeance upon those who cause her pain. What? <laughs> yeah, d- did I invite... Look, I thought I was doing you a favor by bringing you on to the uh, John Cameron Mitchell one, but it seems like I made the wrong choice. I, I, I mean, I'm a Taurus. I love jewelry, so... <laughs> especially if it exacts a curse upon your enemies exactly i'm like give me just like a strange monkey paw type type uh type of situation and i'm here for it oh and that does give me hope that that one will be less of a litany of dream nonsense and more of like a coherent full story but we'll we'll have to see we shall see yeah but until then uh see you later (laughs) bye bye everyone bye thank you joe so much i'm gonna stop talking